Welcome to Insider, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Our topic, the Housing, Health, Human Services Alliance of Rutherford County, better known as HARC. Our guest is Jeff Parker, the executive director of HARC. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Let's begin with your background. How did you come to HARC? Sure. So uh, professionally, for 15 years now, I've been kind of increasing in responsibility with nonprofits. Um, I was fortunate right out of college to start with a nonprofit that I loved and have just become immersed in and enamored with the way that nonprofits function, that, that brings both some business skill and community acumen and, and all these different types of skills towards an, a, an assigned mission to say, hey, we're, we're here to work for the community in ways that provide benefit to others. You've already been at HARC since September of 2020. Yes. What are some of the things that you've learned uh, and accomplished during that time? Well, I think, uh, I think the best thing that I've learned is, is something somebody mentioned to me, and I wish I could remember which of our board members said this. I believe it was on my second interview for the role. And they said, here in Murfreesboro and across Rutherford County, you will never have a lack of people who are willing to help. Whatever the problem is, whatever the question is, there will always be folks that you can call who are ready to assist, who are ready to be part of solutions. And and that is something that has continued to prove itself true time and time again in my first almost year and a half now. What is the mission of HARC? Sure, so our mission is to connect individuals and families with access and opportunities uh, for housing, for healthcare, and other supportive services because we recognize that housing on its own isn't always enough to address the obstacles that people face to bring them to a place of sustainable housing. And and we do that, HARC is not not the direct service provider. So so we're not the people handing out the meals or or providing the rental assistance directly with clients. We do do that through partnerships, through collaboration, through advocacy in the community. I, um, I jokingly call us, we are the puzzle putter together, right? Um, that we are fortunate to have all of these agencies and individuals working together to provide these forms of assistance for folks. And HARC is taking that big picture view of figuring out how do those pieces go together so that one day we get to say, nobody here in Murfreesboro, nobody across Rutherford County has to sleep outside or in their car or somewhere else that's not meant for human habitation. You mentioned earlier that, um, that housing isn't necessarily the solution to homelessness, and uh, th- that might be something that a lot of people don't quite grasp or understand. And, and it's sort of a, um, uh, a necessary but not sufficient. So, so you have to have housing to, to build solutions around homelessness, uh, but you might need to also have affordable housing and accessible housing and housing that's appropriate for different individuals and families and their circumstances. Um, but it's not always enough. So we recognize that that single mother who is not able to continue paying her rent in the place where she's living might actually have a childcare issue or a job training issue or any number of other things going on. And so we really approach, and all of our member agencies approach each client, each individual or family as a holistic picture, that we want to build a relationship with those folks. We want to understand you know, what are the things going on behind what is the pressing need? So that 
we're not just putting somebody in an apartment or a home and, and hoping that it lands well and that they're able to sustain that, but we're really working towards economic self-sufficiency and the supportive services that make that possible. You've already said that HARC is kind of an umbrella organization with these agencies that deal with these issues of housing underneath. So what is your role as an executive director? How do you work with that system? I, I uh, enjoy the fact that this is a role that has brought together kind of these two sides of my experience, this professional background and also um, things that I've been doing as a volunteer for the last 10 years of staying overnight at shelters and doing a little bit of outreach work and all these things. Um, we need a small team of people who are dedicated full-time to looking at the big picture. So each one of our member agencies, maybe they run a shelter or maybe they provide financial coaching for, co for uh, clients who are on this journey towards sustainable housing. They spend most of their day focused on their piece of that picture and making sure that they're providing the best assistance they can in highly relational ways to the clients that they're working with. And many of them also give some of their time to come together in this collaborative effort. Um, but we have a small team of folks, uh, namely in our board and in my role now as the executive director, um, who look at the big picture all the time, who are constantly figuring out what are the puzzle pieces we have where do we need a little bit extra capacity? What pieces might we be missing? And how do these things fit together? Yeah, I've often heard, um, and it's, it's pretty true, that homelessness as an issue is complex. Uh, it's not one size fits all in any situation. But then as you look at these various agencies that you have available within this community, uh, they all do different things. That becomes complex, too, in terms of trying to fit that puzzle together. Right. So give us kind of an example, perhaps, you might have of, of how you have to go about, well, here's the need, but, you know, here's what we have to offer over here. We see these types of things play out sometimes in predictable ways and sometimes in ways that we can see trends over time and then identify where we need more assistance of a certain type. But we also know that every time a client makes that phone call or walks in the door of one of our agencies, uh, everybody's story is going to be unique. And, and so, so much of this falls on those case managers, our social workers, the frontline staff at all of our agencies who have these conversations every single day. Um, but a story I've been hearing a lot here over the last even just six months, we've seen an increase, so we can identify from our end kind of this trend, an increase in the number of single mothers that are reaching out to our agencies. And oftentimes they may, they may open with a question about, can you help me with this month's rent? I'm not able to make this utility payment. So they're asking for one thing, and the agency can say, yes, we can help with that. Here's how we go through this process. But those case managers and social workers understand the art of building that relationship and really engaging with that client around what are the other things behind that ask. In other words, there may be some root causes behind it that got the person to that point. Exactly. Something maybe not of their own fault at all, or maybe something that does have something to do with their behavior, and you have to deal with that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, in the case of parents, I'm a relatively new parent myself, and so I have learned this fall the nuance that is what happens when your kid can't go to daycare because they're sick or during pandemic time because of a COVID exposure in their classroom. You know, in some cases that may cause that parent to miss work 
which means they're missing out on income. And maybe that's the root cause of why they're not able to pay their rent this time. And so, yes, the immediate assistance might be, let's make sure we get your rent paid so that you don't get evicted, so that we keep a roof over your head. But we might also engage in some conversation around childcare and what does affordable childcare look like individually for that client, but also across the community. Do we have enough accessible and affordable childcare to kind of meet the need that we're seeing from parents that are bringing it up? Um, and and you, can, you can play out those stories in an infinite number of ways um, with thousands of different clients who come in and talk with our agencies um, who continually let us know what those deeper concerns, what those root causes are. Um, and and that's, why we, that's why we address more than just housing. We want to make sure that we're addressing some of those root causes as well. It's my understanding that HARC is in the process of releasing some housing data that you've obtained. What is that data showing? We have data from specifically all of our agencies and our projects that are funded by U.S. Housing and Urban Development dollars, HUD dollars. Um, but we also have data from uh, over 100 different agencies and organizations, churches, shelters, you name it, who are assisting folks across the county. Um, and so one of the reports that we submit to HUD every year is called the System Performance Measures. And it's one of those big picture reports that we're looking across multiple different agencies and across multiple different programs. And there's two trends that we see from that data in 2021 that we're starting to highlight with folks. The first is one that makes a lot of sense. Because of CARES Act funding, because of other pandemic-related funding opportunities, we had an influx of dollars that allowed our agencies to do more with more people. So we were able to start uh, more housing projects to work with clients for up to a year with that holistic case management. We're able to do more with homelessness prevention, with rental assistance and utility assistance to keep people housed where they are um, and many other categories. And so the, the first piece of um, data that we've been talking about is just that increase in the number of folks we've been able to serve. So you look back over the last couple of years, in 2019, that number was 535. In 2020, that number went up to 621. So just a little over 100 folks that we were able to engage in those bigger housing projects, which was a much more normal level of increase for us. In 2021, that number jumps up to 846. So we see a significant increase in the number of folks that our agencies are able to help. And with every bit of data, there's always kind of some story behind it. And the piece that that data doesn't even capture is the really meaningful work that our case managers, our social workers do day in and day out to make sure that we're using those funds on the folks who need the assistance the most. Is there anything you can read from the data that shows uh, it, demographically something that's happening either, I know you alluded earlier to more uh, single mothers. As we dig into that, we find out all sorts of characteristics about those folks that we're assisting. And, and one of them that we're talking about right now is, are those folks in, uh, experiencing homelessness for the first time, or are they experiencing a return to homelessness? So we picture it sort of like a roadway, that from the first time somebody experiences homelessness, we're helping them move on a journey towards permanent sustainable housing, essentially to help them reach the point that they've outgrown our assistance and they don't need us anymore, that economic self-sufficiency stage. 
And um, so, so somebody experiencing homelessness for the first time, one of our agencies gets engaged with them with one of these housing projects. And from there, they go in generally one of two directions. They either continue in a relatively direct path towards permanent sustainable housing, or they get stuck in this loop that maybe we're not able to bring to bear the right type of assistance to address those root causes, and they ultimately end up returning to homelessness. Even if we're able to help them locate an apartment or a home or, or whatever that situation might look like, if we haven't addressed those root causes, we see people kind of return to homelessness. And are some of those things like either substance abuse or mental illness, or are they other things that I'm not thinking of? Absolutely, and, and the list goes on. So uh, childcare, job training, mental health concerns, physical health concerns, um, sometimes just access to appropriate forms of assistance, um, social security benefits, social security disability income, those things. Have, have pretty long application processes. And, and disability income, I understand, isn't always enough for some rental housing in some areas. Exactly, and, and this is one of those areas that we look at and we say, okay, we recognize the headline that with so much growth in the housing market uh, right here in Rutherford County, um, that's caused by a lot of really good things that are happening in our community, we also see that it becomes more difficult to find affordable housing options for many of our clients who are trying to work on that journey. And so uh, in 2021, we saw an increase in both of those. We saw an increase in the number of persons who are experiencing homelessness for the first time, but we saw a bigger increase in the number of people who were returning to homelessness. Um, so the, the first thing that we dive into with that data is in communities that are growing, and particularly those that are growing rapidly like we're experiencing, you typically see a, a growth rate in persons experiencing homelessness about on par with the overall population growth rate as a whole. But that's not what we're experiencing here in Rutherford County. The growth rate in our, in our population of folks experiencing homelessness is about half of our overall population growth rate. Is there a reason for that? Well, um, the best reason I can tell you is the great work of our agencies and, and doing things like prioritizing those funds for folks who need that assistance the most. Um, so one of the things we saw our agencies doing really, really well in 2021 um, was working with folks that we have known for some time who are experiencing chronic homelessness or unsheltered homelessness um, and making sure that we're working with them towards permanent sustainable housing. What is the Family Collective? You have a partnership with them, I understand? We do, yes. So the Family Collective is relatively new um, in partnership with the United Way here um, that's focused specifically on families and offers uh, kind of two avenues of support. Some is homelessness prevention, the rental and mortgage and utility assistance to keep families where they are, and some is the housing uh, support over uh, up to 18 months um, to, help how, to, to help households that are experiencing homelessness now move on that journey towards permanent sustainable housing. Is there a board that oversees HARC? Absolutely. Uh, and and who, who may, what's that board made up of? Sure. And our board has two wonderful functions. Um, the first is a typical nonprofit board, like you would expect, that oversees the governance and uh, large-scale financial decisions that supervises my work as executive director, um, a very typical kind of nonprofit board function. But the second function that they, uh, that they serve for us is, is the, the governing board of our continuum of care. 
uh, and a continuum of care is, is kind of a, a buzzword. It's a HUD required, but it's also a best practice way for communities across the country to structure how they do this coordinating work um, to move towards ending homelessness. And the continuum itself is the body of anybody and everybody who wants to be a part of that work. Individuals and agencies and municipal governments and other partners from all across the community. And as a board, they're also looking at the long-term planning, the strategic planning. They're looking at how do we facilitate the conversations that need to happen most to make sure that we're bringing resources and assistance to bear in, the, in ways that we see need for today and that we're preparing ourselves well, well to address emerging needs that we see for folks who are experiencing homelessness. Speaking of resources, what are the sources of funding for either your organization or how you deal with homelessness here? HARC is fortunate to receive uh, predominantly federal funds from housing and urban development. Um, some of those are administered directly from HUD and some are administered through the state level with the Tennessee Housing Development Agency and also to have partnerships with the city of Murfreesboro and with Rutherford County who participate uh, with funding and with all other kinds of support to be part of this work at the continuum of care level. We also uh, are involved with applications from a number of our agencies around the community to have additional access to even more HUD funding dollars. So uh, HARC itself is quite small. I mean, our annual revenue budget is $350,000. But we touch other streams of money that allow agencies to get access to, you know, we just went through a process for the continuum of care grant process that brings another $700,000 to agencies across Rutherford County. Um, so, So we recognize that our piece of that puzzle is meant to be a small one. We're here to look at the big picture and to make sure that we are allocating assets towards agencies and towards projects and types of assistance that meet emerging needs for folks in our community. So our community has a lot of different agencies that do different things, Journey Home, Greenhouse Ministries, and the list goes on. What are the gaps? Are there gaps within our community where we don't really have something to fill a particular need that exists today? We look at um, some things that are gaps and some things that we have some of, and, and we always recognize a need for greater capacity. Um, So uh, Journey Home is a great example of an agency that provides one type of project that we call permanent supportive housing. So for folks that we recognize are going to need supportive services and other assistance essentially for greater than two years, how do we make housing opportunities available so that they both have a place to live and have access to, to holistic case management with staff from the Journey Home? and access to a variety of supportive services to meet those root causes for an extended period of time in a sustainable way. So you're alluding to to more of a long-term issue. Exactly. And this is not unique to Murfreesboro or to Rutherford County. There are so many communities across the country that, uh, A, are extremely grateful for the funding we receive to support those more permanent supportive housing opportunities. But we also recognize that we have more clients who really need that level of assistance that we don't yet have enough capacity to serve that longer-term need. We've discussed a lot about housing, of course, but what is the HARC's role in food sharing? Because that's something that's that's visible and it's a need. I mean, you, everything from, you know, years ago where you would hear about soup kitchens uh, back in the Depression and everything, but we still have people who are in need of that basic need of food. 
And this is one of those areas that, that we're really fortunate. So we, we look a lot at areas where we have need for additional capacity, and then we look at areas where we have abundance. And food sharing is one of the areas that here in Murfreesboro and across Rutherford County, we have so many folks who are giving of their time and of their resources um, to go and share food, some based in our agencies and some in, in you know, parking lots and other places around the community. Um, so I, I think the last time I, I looked at kind of the schedule of when all the food sharing opportunities came up, you could make it to 19 out of 21 meals in a week. Um, wow. Yes. And, and so we're so very grateful for, for that abundant level of giving. And it also means that we as a community are ready to graduate, if you will, to a higher level of service in our food sharing. And this is where Hark's role really comes into play. Um, we as a community uh, could be a model for so many others about that abundant sharing of food. And now how do we start to address kind of second level things? So if I'm a volunteer and I go share food with folks, we see some of the same folks over multiple days that we're out there sharing food. And we build relationships with them. You know, as you're sitting there breaking bread together, you get to know folks. And how do we make sure that those volunteers are equipped that as they hear more of that individual's story, that they're able to bring those additional resources to bear for that individual to say, hey, the, the presenting need was how do we provide dinner for this person tonight to make sure that everybody has enough food? And we're doing a fantastic job of that. How do we dig into those root causes and make sure that other agencies and other services are also made accessible to that person? Hark recently participated in and facilitated a panel at the airport um, that dealt with uh, homelessness and invited folks from these various agencies to come and, and give uh, some thoughts on, on these issues. So what did you see as the outcome of that and, and where are you going from here with that discussion? We wanted to focus specifically on unsheltered homelessness and chronic homelessness uh, with an eye towards downtown Murfreesboro. One of the things that we hear a lot of in, in the continuum of care and in the discussion among individuals and agencies that are already engaged with providing services is what we see as emerging needs from folks who are already coming into our agencies. But one of the things we're still growing in and that we need to hear more of is what are the other areas of impact on the community that aren't yet in that conversation of the continuum of care? So for that downtown business owner, for um, the Discovery Center was one of the participants in, uh, in that panel discussion. Um, getting to raise both of those voices, hearing from what are the impacts on the community, particularly of our population of folks downtown who are experiencing homelessness, and, and then getting to align where we are providing resources and assistance based on both of those areas of input together. And so one of the things we've already started doing, um, we're fortunate to part partner with volunteer behavioral health care systems um, that has sort of two different avenues of outreach with access to mental health services for folks that maybe have, um, you know, we use the phrase co-occurring, you know, the housing situation that they're in is co-occurring with mental health or substance use um, concerns that are going on. And we recognize that that was one of the trends in our downtown population of folks. Um, and so we were able to work with Lineball Library and with volunteer behavioral health care uh, staff to, to start to increase the presence of mental health outreach workers 
working directly with that population. So we just started that up um, a few months ago. Um, and so we're starting to see some increased results from that. So when you see uh, what appears to be homeless uh, people downtown, what is the reason for homeless uh people being downtown, is it because the access to services are there or is there some other reason? Uh, access to service is always a big one. So where are meals being handed out? Where do I have access, particularly in the wintertime, to somewhere indoors to stay warm? Where do I have access to a public restroom? Where do I have access to charge my phone or other things like that? Uh, and this is one of the conversations we had with Lineball Library, that just as being a publicly open building, we see folks coming in there to use the computers for internet access, to have access to the restrooms, uh, to be inside on cold winter days. Um, and, and how do we kind of negotiate that with the more typical uses of a library for folks who are looking for public information and you know checking out books and all these things that we love about our downtown library? In your experience, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have that that don't really deal with it on a daily basis like you in these agencies? I, I pick on one from my own experience over the last 10 years um, that, that I call the, the bootstraps or safety net question. Um, one of the things that I recognize in my own life, um, even after I graduated college and started working in my 20s, you know, I still had my parents who I could call that when my car engine broke down and I had an unexpected large bill, my dad said, yes, we can help you out with that. Um, there are so many people like that in my life that I can call, that I know that I have assistance in a variety of ways, both big and small, um, that have helped me kind of stabilize my life in the way that I currently experience it. Um, and yet, if there's one thing we've learned from the last couple of years of pandemic time, it's that we're all a little bit closer to, to exhausting that safety net than sometimes we realize. And so when I engage with that person, you know, in hearing about their story who's, who's currently unsheltered, so often what we hear is they don't have that safety net. We as these agencies and as a community of their neighbors are the best safety net that they're ever going to have. They may not come from a, a household upbringing similar to what I experienced. They may not have folks, friends, or families that they're able to call on. Um, and, and so how do we step into that role to recognize it takes both? It takes initiative and it takes some form of safety net. People around you who are willing to say, oh no, my friend, oh no, my neighbor. Here in Murfreesboro, we want everybody to have safe and suitable housing. And how can someone help? So one of the, one of the best ways is get involved with one of our agencies or others around the community. Uh, the United Way hosts the Volunteer Connect platform. That's a great way to find a whole variety of ways to get involved um, from serving meals or other areas like that all the way up to, hey, I can swing a hammer. I can help with maintenance at the journey home or other places. One thing I heard recently that resonated with me is that people that come in contact with homeless should make eye contact. Absolutely. Um, there's, there's something that we understand about conversations in our day-to-day -day lives that recognizes the humanity in one another, that recognizes that when I meet somebody on the street, when I wave and say hello, we're having kind of a, a normal human discourse. And, and you think about that in comparison when maybe I'm at the bus stop and there's somebody sitting on the bus stop bench 
um, so many times, and I'm going to use my own story as an example. If you, if you rewind to Jeff 10 years ago, I did have a little bit of that experience that said, I'm not sure how to engage with this person. I don't see the similarities between us at this moment. And so my solution to this, uh, which was not a beneficial one, was to not engage at all. Or we can take that extra step, and this is one of those things that I've been learning in my own journey over the last 10 years to say, this person who may not appear at face value to be living a similar lifestyle or be uh, housed in a similar way still has many of the same characteristics and cares about the same things that I care about and hopes for the same things that I hope for. The shared humanity. The shared humanity. And something as little as the same eye contact, wave, good afternoon, makes a world of difference. If someone wants to learn more, what's your website? Our website is h3arc.org. Well, Jeff, thanks for what you do and for your organization, for reaching out to the homelessness and the housing issues that we have, and we look forward to seeing the progress. My pleasure. Thank you. Jeff Parker with HARC. We've been highlighting HARC, the Housing, Health, Human Services Alliance of Rutherford County, here on The Insider. The podcast originates from City Hall. Thanks a lot for listening via Podbeam, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music Audible. You can also watch The Insider right here on YouTube. Our producer is Michael Nevels. For more information on the fast-growing city of Murfreesboro, visit murfreesborotn.gov. Insider is the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Thanks for joining us.